All right, welcome everyone to another episode of She's in Tech. So my name is Susan. I am a software engineer apprentice over here at ViStots. And we have an amazing guest, Amanda Martinez next, engineering manager at Chromatic. Uh, we'll have our other guests introduce themselves before we get into the topic. Hi, I'm Daisy Nolan. I'm a self-taught front-end software engineer at a company called Publicist. I've been doing this for a year now, so still pretty new. Uh, if you have questions, you can uh, reach out to me on Twitter at Daisy underscore Nolan. Hi, everyone. I am Maria Loza. I am a software engineer at Picnic. My Twitter handler is at this underscore underscore Maria. Thank you. Hi there, friends. Uh, I'm Amanda Martinez, and as Susan said, I'm an engineering manager currently at Chromatic. And while I'm not in the Twitter sphere, at least not that I can uh, be responsible for, you can find me on LinkedIn at Amanda Martinez AMM. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. And I'm so sorry. I always forget if you guys have any questions on Twitter, <laughs> I'm at Suki Supremo. So definitely hit us up. Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, because we're always happy to answer questions. So for today's topic, we're going to go over how to support women in the workplace. So especially as women in tech, I think it's so important for us to be able to share knowledge, uh, share recommendations, and just share our stories. So uh, with Amanda as our guest today, um, could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to your current position? Absolutely. So I started in tech a long time ago. It kind of fell into my lap. Um, 10 plus years ago, I was asked to help out with an app that was being built at a company I was working for at the time. And so I did that. And I was a business analyst. As a business analyst, you know that you do everything. So you name it, I've done it. Training, testing, QA, changing of code, writing of code. I've done a little bit of everything. So from there, I went into another business analyst role at a, at a more of a, a banking company. And I did that for about two years before it landed me at Flywheel as a product owner. And so I had a really great time there for almost two years. And then I moved into engineering management. So engineering management, again, was something that sort of fell into my lap, but turns out I'm kind of good at it. And I recently moved to Chromatic late last year in November, and it has been an exciting journey. I was employee number 11. And excited to build my team there and see where it goes. That's awesome. Um, so especially uh, being at sort of a newer company, and it sounds like you have a pretty unique background where you kind of come from a non-technical background, which is interesting because I hear of a lot of people in general transitioning into tech uh, because they want to change careers. Um, so for particularly for women in tech, how do you think we can encourage women to apply to roles in the tech field. Uh, I know there's a lot of different facets, but maybe we can focus also on, you know, what can managers, uh, coworkers, or even hiring managers do to make job listings more accessible to women? Yeah, I love that. So I think I think there's so many things. This this is a huge question. So for me, yeah, you're right. I come from more of non-technical background. I kind of moved in it by necessity more than anything, but I fell in love with it, and I think. There are so many things that we can do, starting with teaching young girls how to code. So that's something that I do on the side outside of work. And I think even if they don't go on to be an engineer, it opens up their world that the tech field could be for them. In our day to day, no matter what we do, we're interacting with tech all of the time. And I think that a lot of times, um, obviously, historically, it's been represented by white males specifically. 
And so I think that representation matters. So things like this podcast are huge for inviting other women to the table. I'm a strong believer in when you have a seat there, you bring others with you. And I think it's through education and encouragement first and foremost. But then after that, I think as a manager, especially as a hiring manager, I see it as my responsibility, like diversity, equity, and inclusion is every hiring manager's responsibility. Even if you have a recruiter, it's your responsibility to say, I want to see all types of people from different places, spaces, backgrounds, et cetera, and don't just send me the same five resumes. I would also encourage you to get involved. Recruiting starts many years before you're ready to hire. So meet with people and don't just like be there to show up and say like, hey, I have a job. You want to come to it? It should be more like you're being there for them, being a friend, encouraging them, learning more about them in their space that they're currently in before maybe you even have a job that they're ready for you or you're ready for them. So I think meet people where they are. But as a hiring manager, I think one thing that I always like to say, especially lately is like, in case no one has heard about it yet, like we're no longer competing with one another. We're here to lift each other up. So if you have a position where you can bring someone else with you or on board, you absolutely should do it. Um, I was just telling y'all before we started, I just hired my first two women at Chromatic. Um, they started like two weeks apart. So we're all celebrating at Chromatic now. That we're bringing more women into our space. So it's a really, really exciting time for us as well. So I have a like a follow-up question to that. So kind of like my background, I was in an apprenticeship at the Stott, uh, who's the host of this podcast. And I immediately got into a role that uh, was all men. And so I was the only female at the company. And I did feel a little awkward. And uh, just for different reasons, I decided to part ways. And now I'm at a company with it's uh, like 90% women. Uh, which is just amazing. Uh, we have two men at the company, so very different switch. So I know for me, when I was applying uh, to my newest role, I kind of looked at their diversity and inclusion. I never can say that correctly, but I wanted to see if they were a diverse group. I wanted to to work uh, with women, uh, maybe for a woman. So I looked at companies just for that. Uh, do you have any tips uh, for our listeners uh, who are maybe scared to apply uh, to a role that looks like, I mean, it's all men on the team? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that question. The two women that I have currently both asked me that question before they started. Like, how were you the first one? How did you do it? Um, For me, okay, so um, let me answer this sort of in two parts. For me, I've also been that person in those spaces being the only woman. And so I think that you have to understand the other people in that space. So for instance, when I came to Chromatic, I met with almost every person that worked here before I came on board because I was coming to an all-male team, not just like engineering team, but like the company, right? And so I met with every single person and you you should always be looking for those different vibes, right? Like, are they talking to me different? Are they listening to me? Do they hear me? Um, all of those things, like you should be paying attention to all of those vibes before you say yes. I can 100% assure you that the only the only reason these two women applied for this position is because I was here. And so they said, hey, we felt safe because like there was a woman manager there. Um, and so um, I think the other part of that is like, I was super, super honest with them. They asked me like, have you experienced anything weird? Like, do you have any sort of I don't know, like, were you nervous at all? Is everyone treating you fairly? And I was very, very honest with them. I think the other thing that you should do in the hiring process is ask to talk to as many people on the team as possible. Because I, as a manager, like, right, I'm trying to sell you a job on some level, but I'm also not trying to sell you something that it's not. But at the end of the day, Daisy, you're the one who has to make that judgment call. And so I can say like, hey, my team is great. They really love everyone. They respect everyone. They want all people here, but I want you to make that judgment. So in in the interview process, I would push to meet as many team members as you can to make sure that you feel comfortable and confident before you say yes to that job. Thank you so much for for sharing that. I have a question for... um with how you mentioned of asking to meet with as many people on the team as we can mm-hmm. as a company, you know, that could be very interesting because, you know, the more people you meet, the more time that you're taking away from their time, <laughs> you know, 
what advice would you give to someone who wants to ask that question but might be scared of maybe ruining their chances of getting hired or like even just making that first step towards asking? Sure. That's a great question, Maria. I think it's all, it's all about honesty and it's all about being transparent. I would love to continue this hiring process. I would love the, the opportunity to talk to Norbert and pick his brain about what the position is, how his day-to-day looks, et cetera. I think in this hiring process that I did with both of these women, I let them meet with as many people as possible because I think if the employer cares enough and is being intentional with their hiring, they're going to open the door for you to meet as many people as possible. I don't care if you ask me to meet my entire team. It's worth my time and it's worth their time to make sure that we're hiring the right people for us. And you are, and you are interviewing us just as much as we're interviewing you. And you should remember that through the hiring process. It's like, it's not just, do they want me? It's, do I want to be there in with them in the environment that they're creating? So I would say, feel empowered to ask those questions and to push a little bit more for meeting more people on the team. I, I totally understand it takes more time, which is like cost, but in the end, it's 100% worth it for yourself and for me as, as a manager and as a team member. So Thank kind you. of what I did when I was applying for my current role is I had a spreadsheet of like all these companies that I wanted to work for and I already knew if they were hiring or not. Uh, Before I even put in the application, I found people on LinkedIn and Twitter that worked for those companies. And I asked them if I could schedule a a quick like 15 minute call, or if we could discuss on email, uh, kind of what the culture looked like. Uh, So I was able to answer these questions without feeling like I was ruining my chances of interviewing. Most of the time, like nine out of 10 times, people were like, yes, let's let's meet, let's do it for 30 minutes. Like they wanted to sit down longer and people love talking about their company and like what they do day to day. It was, it was great. And most of those actually ended up in a, Hey, let me like refer you or, you know, things like that. So maybe if you're a little bit nervous about asking the hiring manager, like right after interviews, maybe you can take that step beforehand and asking, uh, ask people ahead of time before you apply. Yeah, that's also a good one. I think um, one of the people I just recently hired, she took the time to decompress after our one-on-one interview and then emailed and said like, we had a great conversation. I would love to meet so-and-so if that's okay with you. And I said, absolutely, 100%. I want you to be able to do that. And then and then she she met with that person and then she she messaged me back and she said, okay, I would like to meet with you again to ask you some follow-up questions. And so we were we were both very clear with what we wanted our next steps to be throughout the process. And some of that was in person via Zoom, obviously, and some of that was via email, but keeping that in lockstep and just making sure that we understand where each person is in the interview process. Because like Daisy said, like she could be in the interview and then she could be like, hmm. I don't know if this is for me, right? And so like maybe following up with an email does does feel better or you can put your thoughts better down on paper once you've sort of decompressed from that. And I think all of those ways are definitely welcome throughout the hiring process. Yeah, it's actually, thank you for sharing that because it's really helpful from sort of a hiring stance, things that you are willing to share. And I think, you know, you emphasize Amanda being honest, right? And mm-hmm. I know for probably a couple people who are listening to this who are, you know, trying to transition into tech or trying to find a new job, or maybe are in a position where like they just can't find a job right now, right? And I understand that there are different priorities. And sometimes people just don't have the luxury to ask questions like, hey, do you have resources and support available uh, for women in tech? But sort of on the flip side, we still want to emphasize and remind people how important it is to think of those things, to think of those facets and remember that hey, especially for women in tech, like it is important that we are supporting each other and that we are trying to elevate each other into different positions to be a part of this tech world. Because, you know, having that empathy and understanding other experiences, other backgrounds, that brings so much into a workspace. And yeah, so I guess just kind of mirroring off of everyone, like there are priorities, but make sure to try to make this a priority as well. So so we're going to veer off into something a little bit different where, you know, I don't think it's a secret that there are many women in tech who felt that their gender 
has affected the way that they're perceived or treated or how they may actually conduct their work. Uh, so for any of you guys, have you been in a situation like that? And, you know, how did you handle that? How were you able to overcome that? Yeah, so I, I can start. When I first started in tech, I was young um, and there were a lot of older males on the team. And I had started as a business analyst, right? But I had learned enough to be able to do support and QA and log into the system and change whatever I needed to change, right? But there were times where I would go to an engineer and I would say, hey, you built this thing and it doesn't work quite right. Nope, it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> and so so it was, it was me taking the time to take that person sort of to the side and say like, I, I've been in this in this system for a really long time. I know what I'm talking about. I need you to understand that your code is not always perfect. I'm not here to say you did something wrong or you don't know how to do your job, but I am here to help you. And I can't help you if you just think that I am wrong every time I say something. And so I need you to understand and respect my view that I'm bringing to the table and at least look at it with me and take the time and maybe I'm wrong. And, and so we can come to another standing together, but if we can't disagree and if we can't be able to point out each other's sort of mistakes along the way, we're never going to be successful as a team. And so it, it took a lot of time specifically with some people more than others, but once we got past that, it, it was better. It was never perfect, which is, which is okay. But I think, I think the other thing that I think about is as you're going into a company, like going back, going back to that, like you should look for these things in the interview process, especially when you're doing the, the code piece of the interview. Like there's lots of those out there, right? Making sure that when you're doing those different exercises, you can be working with whomever you're doing this, this code interview with and say like, oh, that doesn't seem quite right. Oh, that's wrong. Oh, I would have done this a little bit differently and make sure that they're hearing your words and respecting what you're saying. Because if you don't get that vibe, you're not going to get that when you get that job. I love that you said to look for those kind of like those warning signs ahead of time. I was in a role and it was the one where I was the, the only female at the company. So I did feel very awkward and there were a lot of, things that were said to me that were probably made in uh, with good intention, but it just came across inappropriate. One example was I had a PR, I was working on a feature and I did it like the best that I possibly could. I had my manager suggest some edits and my manager was in Asia and I'm uh, in the US time zone. So one, we had a language barrier and then two, you know, trying to work against different time zones. It was really, really difficult. So I'm trying to explain to my manager that I did not understand like how he got to that solution. So of course, we're having to do this uh, through GitHub, um, back and forth messages with days apart. And I asked, you know, hey, I just don't understand this. And he wrote back that my female emotions were getting in the way. And it wasn't like a pushback, like, whoa, why am I doing it this way? I was just like, hey, I'm not understanding this. Like, can you explain like how this is working? Like, I look at pull requests as a way to learn. I had several different <laughs> options uh, to what to do next. I, the angry person inside of me wanted to immediately go to town, tie, you know, I, I'm seeing red, I'm sweating, I'm hot, and I'm wanting to tell him off right then and there. And then I was like, well, my whole company can see this. So let me try to be a little bit professional. So erased everything, started typing again. And I'm still, you know, seeing grad. And I just had to like stop for several hours and like take a breather. And instead of confronting this, uh, my manager, I went higher up to the engineering uh, manager and was like, hey, I think we all need to sit down and have a discussion because I just need to explain how this is not okay. I feel like I'm very laid back. So like when people say that, I'm very understanding of different cultures, but I was like, eh, this, is, this one's not okay. So since then, being in a, a position where I was treated very differently uh, because I'm a female, whenever I start doing interviews, I'm very open about what my future is going to look like. I want to have kids and I tell them up front. I want kids. I'm going to have to take maternity leave. Like, what is, what is your policy? 
And right then out of the door, like if they're acting weird, I'm like, okay, (laughs) bye-bye. So I just realized I just need to be very upfront and blunt uh, in these interviews to look for for those warning signs. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think I've heard lots of other situations that have been similar to that. I had a I had a situation at another company where I had someone treating a woman um, unfairly where she could say something and it would be completely ignored. And then another person would say the exact same thing. And it was like, oh, that's a great idea. And I was like, this is absolutely not happening. So I... I took action on that. And it was like, I needed that person to know, like, I see what you're doing and it's not okay. And, and like you said, you don't have to do it in front of everybody and it doesn't have to be a giant scene, but you absolutely have to address it and cut it off. And everyone needs to know this is not tolerated. It's not okay. And we're not going to have this year. And this is how we're going to move forward with or without you. I think it's awesome that both of you guys are explaining how even when you're in different roles, how important it is to take a stand on this, because obviously for the person that's being affected and the people who are involved, like that sort of group makes sense, but also managers, CEOs, like people who are working the organization, like it's just as important for those people to also um, sort of step in and say, I agree, this is not appropriate. We need to discuss different policies or different just workplace culture items to make sure that this doesn't happen again, or if it does happen, we know how to address it. And encompassing this, I feel like in general, especially with a lot of us working remote during the pandemic, there's so much going on, like outside of work, like people have lives, other obligations and responsibilities. And I think that really also emphasizes how important communication is. So, you know, I was also in a situation where I worked with a manager who's a male and culturally apparently like they're just used to speaking down to women and you know it made me think because it's like okay well like just right now like I just went blank because I'm like okay you're trying to make it sound like this person has no fault which is not the case and it's not okay to address it that way and so in times like that I was like okay it's wrong first of all that he's addressing me differently because I'm a woman like it's one thing if he was trying to explain something to me, it's like, hey, I have more experience as an engineer than you. So let me try to walk you through what I would have done instead or something. Totally cool. Like not condescending at all. But, you know, he made this comment where like, I talked to my wife like this and I was like, okay, well, th- that opens up a whole can of something else. Right. But the point being, I guess I'm trying to get to without getting like upset myself again, well, <laughs> is just communication is so important. Right. And I think you know, you guys have also addressed how important it is to be open and transparent about it. And I definitely encourage other people, if there's anything ambiguous, anything that's not clear, Daisy, I think you took exactly the right steps of asking those questions, right? And most of the time, people who have a pattern of that sort of thing, they don't know how to answer those questions. And I think that's a problem. I think people need to step back and be like, hey, we need to be able to point to something, something documented, something that's on paper, or just explain how we're able to address these kind of things and make sure that people feel supported. So I think it's so interesting that, you know, all of us run into these kind of situations one way or another, but it seems like all of us come to the same conclusion where, hey, let's be transparent, let's be open. And let's try to do something together. Like we're not trying to push work off onto other people. Like we're trying to say, hey, let's work on this together. So I think it's awesome that you guys emphasize that. Hey, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit, and you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. 
Yeah, I mean, communication definitely is key. I um, was a communications major, so I studied uh, different cultures and, you know, how they communicate with one another, how they say, hey, is completely different. Like there's this one country, they wink at people to say, hey. So that's one thing that I learned to, you have to advocate for yourself. You know, different cultures, they they do treat uh, women differently. And you have to be able to say, hey, like this is offensive to me because of X, Y, Z. What might be offensive to me might not be offensive to somebody else. So you have to advocate for yourself. So definitely don't be afraid to do that. I do want to add that when it comes to communication, there are times where we might be scared to proceed with talking to a manager or someone of hire or even confronting the person. And, and I'm not saying confronting as, you know, an argument, but just starting that conversation. Um, there are times where you might be in a position where you feel like even the managers might take the side of the other person because they're, they've been there longer. They might be more experienced. And especially if you're new, you might feel like they're not going to take my side. So in those cases, if it helps, I would highly, highly recommend recording everything. And by recording, I mean like taking screenshots, especially on Slack, because there are some channels where you can edit your uh, answers. I've heard that that's been the cases where someone goes in and says something inappropriate and you might be seeing red and you might step away hours later to, you know, figure out how to address that issue. But then you see that the message has been completely changed and you may look like the person who instigated something. So yeah, did you know, Get sorry, did you know you can edit somebody else's <laughs> message on GitHub? Are you sleeping? Yeah. No. Did you not? Yes. Like I could go in and Maria, you could have like made a comment on my GitHub and huh. I can go edit it. GitHub, GitHub, I <laughs> feel like that's really bad, you know, I feel like that's the first thing that, that, okay, that's another thing, but um, hopefully it's been fixed. I saw this a couple of weeks ago, so it could have been fixed since then, so. but, but yeah, yeah, the see, as you can see, um, your, your messages can be changed very easily. So take pictures of that stuff and that could help ease you into talking to that manager. And I could almost guarantee you that you're not the only one that's happened before and, you might have more advocates than you expect. So definitely push yourself to get that into a the next steps of talking to the right people and figuring out what you need to do. Because if that's where you're going to want to work, you need to make sure you're comfortable to be working in that environment. If you don't think you have the support, then that might be your biggest red flag to go look for another job. Personally, for me, when I look for other jobs, my, my questions are always, have you worked with females before? You know, what's your experience? So there might be times where they haven't, that could be your red flag, or it might be just for the fact that again, females are very <laughs> rare in the tech field. So you might be that first person in that company that paves the, the, the path for the rest of the females to come in. Yeah, I think that's awesome to add where as a woman, you have different options where you may want to find a company that already has women in the field, a lot of resources to help women in tech. But if you happen to find yourself at a company where everything else is great. Like this is what you're looking for in a job, but there's no other women. Like, I think it's okay to also look for help outwards, right? There's so many great communities out there who've either been through similar situations or might be going through it with you. And so even if you cannot find something internally in your company yet, um, I think it's totally, uh, it totally makes sense to, to look outward, ask other women in tech, ask other companies who've helps develop different policies and different safe spaces for women and other underrepresented groups to see how you can implement that in your own company. And I think it's so important that I, I know for myself, often I find myself saying, always focusing on what I don't have, right? But not giving a focus on what I do have and the potential that I have to help other people in this situation. So everyone doesn't have to be superwoman. I'm definitely not saying anything like that because I know it can be overwhelming and scary, uh, but just know that there are people out there who want to help, who have that knowledge and who have the tips that they want to share. So I think it's really awesome that, you know, not only are we discussing this in an internal way within our own companies and just for ourselves, but also how we can help the community at large um, outside of our companies as well. So I think it's awesome that with all of this being said, and honestly, I'm taking a moment of silence because we talked about some hard situations right now, but we're going to kind of uh, transition to probably one of my favorite questions I think we've ever asked in these uh, She's in Tech podcast series, where 
what do you think the best part of being a woman in the tech industry is? Because I don't think we emphasize this enough. So, you know, again, just to re-ask, what do you think is the best part of being a woman in the tech industry? Okay, I'll start. I, I personally think the best thing about being a woman in tech in 2021 is the ability to have an influence on so many other younger women and girls and inviting them into tech. I think a lot of us are creating space for them and inviting them to a space that they historically have not been a part of. And again, meeting them where they're at, whether that's like in school or in a club or something and inviting them into the tech world and seeing them do something for the first time. So I just got done teaching an HTML, CSS, JavaScript class and seeing them be able to say like, oh, I created a button and it did something that just like will make your whole year. And so for me, I think being able to empower those younger women and girls is the best part of being a woman in tech, in my opinion. That's awesome. I think, Amanda, it's great that you have all these great skills that you're willing to teach others. And I think a lot of people who are in similar roles where they go through all these experiences and learn a lot of stuff, it feels like the the next natural or organic step to share that with others and teach others. And I love that, in particular, I feel like, even if you just look at history, outside of tech, outside of being a woman, when someone is a part of an underrepresented group or they've been going through hardships, I feel like you become extremely resilient. And I, I, again, it's like having the power of community and learning how to sort of move forward and make progress, I feel like is especially relevant for women in tech because, and, and I would say there's so many other factors involved, right? With the pandemic going on, I guess in the past few decades, just women being more so in the works uh, and sort of the workforce, if you will, uh, women considering other options, such as there's not this traditional, oh, if you're a woman, you have to get married, become a housewife, have three kids, you know, take care of the house, whatever. Like, Nowadays, it's like, you know what? You worry about you. I'm going to worry about my own apartment. Like, don't even sweat it. You know what I mean? So I, I love that there's, I hate to word it this way, but just sort of lack of description. Like, it feels like there's other options because of the women before us who have kind of helped pave the way. And we're in a position where we, ha- where we have the potential and the power to do that as well for future generations. So I love that even though people may say, oh, I'm not naturally a teacher. Like, I can never be that or whatever. Like, there's so many ways that we're doing that in our day to day. And I love that, especially as women in tech and working in this field, like that's almost like naturally ingrained into us where we're able to share that knowledge, share those stories and empower other people to do the same. So, I mean, honestly, I would open this up to more than just women, but just for the fact that we are focusing women in tech, like we are strong people, like y'all need to understand we are strong people. So even if maybe you're on the shy side, you're introverted, maybe you feel scared most of the time or you have imposter syndrome, like there's so much potential in all of us. And sometimes it just takes talking to the right person, taking the right step, or even like just taking care of yourself. You know what I mean? Like emphasizing that self-care and understanding, like you need to focus on you sometimes, like you need to get more than two hours of sleep, like you need to eat good food, nourish yourself. Like, again, I've kind of mentioned this before. Well, self-care is not always bubble baths and good chocolate, although those are awesome things. Sometimes it's taking care of your finances, you know what I mean? Taking care of your body, taking care of your mind. So I think encompassing all that together, like, I don't know, people should be scared because if we all came together, I'm telling you, we are taking over the world. So I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely love being like a, a female in tech right now. Because kind of like what Amanda was saying was like paving the way the way uh, for more women. So many times people ask me like, oh, where do you work? And so I tell them and they're like, oh, are you in marketing or you know PR? I mean, my degree is that. But even people that don't know me, they ask me that. And they just try to like push me into these roles. And so when I say, no, I'm a software engineer, they their mouth drops and they're like, you don't look like one. I'm like, Thanks, I guess. I don't know. So, I mean, I definitely love being able to to be a role model for young girls and and women transitioning into tech. I don't know if it's like women per se, but I definitely think I have a better attention to detail. I mean, that could be from my my past experiences. And I'm definitely one of those, uh, my personality, like I love to like empathize and sympathize with other people. So I feel like I'm a great listener again. Don't know if it's because I'm a female or because of my my experiences, 
But no, I just love that I can help others. Uh, I had another point and I just lost it. It'll probably come to me in a bit, but. I think for me, definitely, you know, helping out younger developers get to the point where they feel confident enough. That to me is one of the best parts, um, especially if the junior developer is a female. But a more personal best part for me is just being able to do the code and the projects like any other person. And sometimes being able to implement something even better than, I guess, a a male, you know? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I just like, those are the moments where it reminds me of like, anyone can do it, regardless of gender. And then at least for me, personally, a win, because, you know, I... I'm growing as a developer and as a female developer who sometimes the resources aren't there. But that for me is one of the best parts, <laughs> kind of a, a gloating moment. <laughs> I remember what I was going to say. So when I worked for the company that was all men, um, a lot of our coding examples were names like John Doe and Brad, whatever. So I love that being in a position like that, like the first uh, woman at the company and the first woman engineer at the company, um, I was able to explain and teach them about being more diverse. So if that's something like you're looking to do, uh, I recommend uh, going to Google's style guides because they can explain like how to make more examples that are diverse. Uh, One starting with sample usernames. Um, so, but that was just something that I was like, Hey, there's no women. And same with the, the marketing, uh, marketing site, there were no women. So I was able to, to bring those concerns up ahead of time. Awesome. So as we kind of finish up the topic segment, I know we shared a lot of stories and a lot of tips for our listeners, but do you guys have any just sort of lingering last minute tips for, you know, not only women in tech, but maybe women who are wanting to join specific roles in tech or just new devs that are wanting to transition into this industry? Yeah. So one thing that I think Daisy mentioned earlier as a hiring manager that I absolutely love is when someone reaches out to me and says, whether that's LinkedIn or in a Slack group or whatever, and says, Hey, I've been wanting to know more about your company. Can I take 15, 30 minutes of your time, whatever, and have that Zoom coffee to ask you more questions? Like, even if they're not ready for a job right now, even if they want to just learn more about the company, I always say yes to Zoom coffee unless it's a unless it's a creepy LinkedIn situation, which we are all women on LinkedIn. I know that has happened to you, has happened to me. I always say yes to those things because I think it's it's really important to to support other women in that way. And so I always say yes to Zoom coffee. And I think it it leads to more conversation, like not even about the company, but like, what are your experiences in tech as a woman? What are you struggling with? What is great for you? And I, I just like to learn more about people. So I think reaching out to, even if it's not a hiring manager, someone else on the team and just learning more about them and their company is huge. And then the other thing that I would say is, Find, find a mentor, find yourself a group of women who are in tech that can be there to support you on the outside of your company and be your cheerleader because you will need it. You will need them to lean on. You will need them to share like, oh shit, this thing happened to me. You will, you will need all of that. So I think find your sort of people and make sure that you're sharing and you're lifting one another up as regularly as you can. Yeah, so I have uh, two tips. One, kind of bouncing off the, the mentor Yes, definitely find a mentor. There's a great resource I've shared in the past called Coding Coach, and you can find uh, free mentors. The thing is, is make sure you talk about the mentors, like backgrounds and their experience before you officially take them on as a mentor, uh, whether you're looking through Twitter, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Coding Coach. Uh, Not every mentor is going to be the same. I have heard of horror stories where mentors are actually tearing them down. And you definitely don't want that. So if y'all have a mentor that's not necessarily building you up and helping you, how you probably feel like, why am I here? That's not what your mentor is supposed to do. So definitely find a different mentor, make sure that y'all's values and, you know, backgrounds kind of align or they're where they're at currently in their career is where you want to be headed. Second is do not just connect with people on Twitter and LinkedIn. And hoping that in the future, they're just going to hand you a job. 
This is one of my pet peeves. I have so many people who just connect with me on Twitter and uh, and LinkedIn, and I have no idea who they are. And I just say, okay, I'm going to accept it. And I see them posting about wanting a job. Definitely make a personal connection. Maybe you've seen someone create a YouTube video or tutorial connect with them and say, Hey, I really enjoyed this tutorial. Maybe you see that they're from the same town, like make the the connection uh, memorable. You want to stay top of mind. Whenever I hear of opening jobs, the people that have connected with me directly, like through direct messages, those are the people I'm going to reach out to first and say, Hey, this company is actually hiring for a junior role. So yeah, find a great mentor and make sure you make uh, personal connections. I I would also have to iterate that mentoring is very important. Um, Another thing I do want to mention is kind of stick with teaching yourself when it comes to programming. That could be through going to classes, teaching yourself through online resources and whatnot. One of the biggest things I've seen when it comes to junior developers, because I have a background in college, is that their intro to programming class was taught by a, a not very happy professor. So they tend to drop from computer science and they no longer want to do it. And I've seen that so many times that it's so frustrating because uh, for someone who's been more into the programming uh, career now, I can tell them like they did it wrong. They they taught you so horribly and you can recognize that, but they've so tired at that point that they've given up. So definitely find more resources and just your one central point of learning because that's how you know if that's the right job for you or not even a job, the right career for you. So stick with it, but also know your limitations of if you're not really happy with any resource, that might be also your biggest indicator that that specific role that you're going for in tech isn't the right one for you. Yeah, I guess uh, just to mirror and piggyback off of everyone's awesome tips for everyone. I, I think this is something that I'm starting to learn slowly, even though as an adult, this is something that I keep thinking, oh, I'm an adult. Like, why am I not doing this? But like, be unapologetic. Like, if you have a great idea that you want to share, share it. And it's one of those, I've I've always been so conscious of what other people think. Like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to make other people uncomfortable. Or, oh, I might create more work for someone else. And I'm worried about everyone else but myself. So I'm just letting you know if you need to hear this, put yourself first. Like, and it's so interesting because especially as women, I know traditionally, maybe even culturally, we're known as caretakers, but care for you, like prioritize yourself because that is who is most important. And I I think part of doing that is also finding your A-team, right? Um, Finding the people who you can trust and you can lean and depend on, people you can talk to, not only about celebrating your wins, but also just talking out any problems that you might be dealing with. And this team, there's no cookie cutter format for this, right? That can look like one person, that could look like 10 people, that could be your family, friends, or even strangers, but find what works for you. Because more often than not, I feel like people, when they start in this industry, feel like they're alone, right? They feel like, oh my God, like I'm, I don't understand coding or I'm not doing as well as everyone else. Like I see my other teammates excelling and doing awesome, but I don't feel like I'm contributing enough. Uh Uh-uh, we're going to cut that right now, which I know is very difficult, but find those people that are going to look after you, like people who are going to not only support you, but sometimes even challenge you to, to make sure that, hey, are you considering all the options? Are you considering all the different perspectives? So I think all of that encompasses into this idea of taking care of yourself because, again, self-care comes in so many different forms. So I think it's important to find what works for you. So can I add in one more thing or maybe two more things? Um, So to sort of piggyback off of that, one thing I wanted to mention was if you're looking for a mentor, there's a really great platform called Dreamy. It's Dreamy with an I, not with a Y. It's D-R-E-A-M-I dot I-O. So that is a great platform to find a mentor, get connected with people. They could be in your industry, not in your industry, but you need a person and find your person and be okay with like firing that person. Like, ah, you're not right for me. I'm going to move on to someone else. And then the second thing I wanted to say was remember on, on LinkedIn, you should look at people's connections. So if I wanted to connect with Daisy, but I wasn't like sure about just like showing up in her DMs, like find someone else and say like, Hey, can, can Maria introduce 
introduce me to Daisy um, because we have a mutual connection. And sometimes those things make it a little bit easier to just like not be like showing up in some DMs oddly. And you can have a nice introduction to that person. And so make sure you use your connections. Awesome. Thank you for sharing those. As we're going forward on different resources and different recommendations, we're going to transition into picks. Our sponsor today is This.Labs, a best-in-class consultancy specializing in staff augmentation, architecture support, and leadership, and training for startup and enterprise organizations. Find out more at this.labs.com or send us an email at hi at this.co. So actually, it's funny because in our Zoom chat right now, we are just blasting it with awesome recommendations. So I apologize to listeners. We're probably only going to be able to share a few of them. But but yeah, I just will share something. It doesn't necessarily have to be tech related, but we'll go ahead and share some stuff that's really awesome in, in our world right now. So I'll go ahead and start where I actually have two. So if you don't mind, I'm going to share two of them. One of them being a little bit more the norm for me, which is snacks, because snacks all day, every day, where... So if anyone who's familiar with stores like Costco or BJ's, um, so my sister-in-law is like a Costco fanatic. Like she has the blueprint, like memorized. She knows where she's going. And she brought back these. So if you guys are familiar with Girl Scout cookies and the Thin Mint cookies, so they have Thin Mint chocolate covered almonds. And I was like, excuse me? Like, like everything in my world just froze in that moment. And I tried some and I was like, oh my God, it tastes exactly like the Thin Mint cookies. So if you have those in your area, or honestly, I mean, I'm sure there's recipes online where you can make this yourself, but I'll be honest, I am convincing myself just because they're almonds, you know they're healthy. So get you some Thin Mint Girl Scout chocolate covered almonds. But uh, onto the more tech-related recommendation that I have. So I am in a position personally where I am moving towards the DevRel realm, so developer relations. Um, I find that 100% coding is not something that fulfills me, right? And I think that's so important to keep in mind when you're at your job because we dedicate so much time to it. So there's a resource called, it's off of Meetsy, but it's devrel.meetsy, M-E-E-T-S-Y.io. And we'll have all these links uh, on the podcast page. But this is created by uh, a DevRel advocate named Tessa. And, you know, she's just trying to bring people in the DevRel world together. So she's creating different chats where people can introduce each other, talk about different strategies, and just talk about their backgrounds. And as someone who's new to that realm, it feels really overwhelming, honestly, when I look on Twitter and all of these DevRel advocates and community managers are, they're so outgoing. They seem so fun. And they have that persona like, oh, this is someone I want to have a beer with kind of thing. I'll tell you right now, I am not one of them. <laughs> so I'm trying to find my place, right? Because being able to converse with the community is something I really enjoy uh, while still uh, being technical. So helping people troubleshoot through bugs, that's something that I enjoy doing. But I don't want to feel like I have to lose my identity in order to do that. And I feel like this resource uh, with devrel.meetsy.io, it lets me, I guess, meet people in my own way where I'm not having to like blast myself on Twitter and be like, look at me, which I'm not saying that's what other people are doing, but as sort of an introvert myself, it feels very loud on Twitter sometimes. And I think this is sort of a more curated personal way to meet other people. So I actually have um, our first meeting, I think next week. Uh, So that's really exciting. Um, So I'll definitely keep people some updates once that gets going, but some of the conversation that I see already is really awesome. And the way they have it set up is almost like a mentor-mentee type of relationship. So yeah, so that's something I'm really excited about. And I'd be really interested in seeing if anyone else joins. It does sound really interesting. And I'm going to have to try that uh, Girl Scout cookie thing that you mentioned. Sounds yummy. I love Girl Scout cookies. So uh, ironic, my pick is uh, a subscription called Noom. And I'm going to preface this with, I do think that every body type is beautiful and that we should not try to strive to look exactly like other people. I had some, a really bad life experience that happened earlier this year. And instead of like seeking professional help, I ate my weight in cookie, cookie dough ice cream, and I just gained a lot of weight and was really unhealthy. 
And so I switched over to Noom, which is a, I hate to say like a weight loss program because it's not a diet, it's not a weight loss program, but it's a subscription that based on psychology where uh, you can kind of dive into your eating habits. Nothing's off limits. I still drink beer and I still eat ice cream, go out for chips and salsa. So nothing is off limits, but I have uh, seen an improvement in my health and my mental health health as well lost a few pounds, which is, you know, always a win, but I definitely recommend it if you're looking for something to get healthier, it's a little bit pricey, but you are paired with uh, a coach and you've got like group sessions that you can talk to. And you have like little classes that talk about like psychology and, and eating patterns. So absolutely love it. Been doing it for several months now. And like I said, I've seen like dramatic changes with my overall health. Jesus, my pick isn't as fancy and isn't as yummy. It's it's just my headset, which is the Razer Green headset. I really enjoy them because I had an older version of them, but the ears for it were too small, so they would give me headaches. So I was really happy to see that they improved upon it with the new version. So now my ears fit really smoothly. So which is really good because sometimes I do have to be on the headset for a good long time. So it's nice to not have headaches anymore (laughs) since I try not to go crazy and buy too many headphones. So it's really nice to be able to find something that's really cool looking. It's like the bright lime green and have a a little mic that I can pull in and out from the actual earphone or ears itself. That's my pick. I love it. I'm with Susan. I'm all about drinks and snacks. Anytime you see me on a Zoom, I'm probably drinking like three or four different things at, at any given time. So my picks are hum kombucha and kite tea, and then some pumpkin seeds called from a place called rocket snacks. They're amazing. So I keep them on my desk. And if I just need a little something, that's what I have that's closest to me. Um, and it's really compact. So it's not taking up a ton of space on this little desk that I have here. Oh, I'm looking at the sites now. They all look so yummy. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. I felt like this was a really exciting episode and I hope that all of our listeners have taken away some tips on how to support women in the workplace. And if you guys have any other tips that you'd like to share with us, definitely share with us on the this.media Twitter account. Uh, but again, my name is Susan, a software engineer here at this dot, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Suki Supremo. And I'm Daisy Nolan, uh, front-end software engineer at Publicist. And you can follow me on Twitter at Daisy underscore Nolan. I am Maria Loza, and you can find me at Twitter using the handler at this underscore underscore Maria. And I'm Amanda Martinez, engineering manager at Chromatic. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Amanda Martinez AMM. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.